good to see. Is it good to be and worship God together? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's such a great psalm, that psalm that we just read. When I was in junior school, I can't remember if it was junior school or infant school, it was basically primary school, and it was basically a very long time ago, but when I was in that school, I had a friend called Dean. His actual surname was Applegate, which I always found a strange surname, Applegate. But anyway, he was a great friend, and his mum used to call me Old Cushing Wayne. That's what she used to call me, Old Cushing Wayne. I don't think it's because I was rotund, I don't know what it was, but... She said, the reason she called me Old Cushing Wayne, she said, you're like an old cushion that you can depend upon. And said, you're a faithful friend. I don't know whether she looked at me and thought I was quite needy, so she needed to say something nice to me, or whether she meant it, I don't really know. But it was a nice thing that she said, like an old cushion that is faithful that you can depend upon. Interestingly, I hate cushions, but I always throw them on the floor. But that's what she used to call me. Back in the 50s, my dad started a job, and that was before I was born, before anybody wonders. And this job, he he worked his way up, and he got to a manager's level, and whatever the job he was doing in Swansea, they asked him to move to Newport in South Wales. Now, in reality, in today's world, it's not very far. This This was in about 1973, 74, and uh, it's only about 60 miles. But the M4 wasn't finished in those days, and it was quite a thing to all of the family that had always been in Swansea to, to sort of move everything and move to a completely different part of the country, leaving family, friends, church, everything they had ever known. But he did it. And he moved, my mum and my sister and myself, and we moved, and he was working in Newport, and we were living in a village in a place called Pontypool. He had worked there, there maybe for five or seven years. And they said to him, what we want you to do now, Ron, is to, what you've set up here in Newport, to go up north and, and do it up north. And he went, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. The family have moved, it was a big move. My wife and my kids are settled in school. Old Cushing Wayne is doing well. I don't, I don't want to move us any more. And they went, okay, goodbye. After 25 years, they gave him a watch and said, you no longer work here. They had no sense of faithfulness to him. And I'm sure you can relate instances when people or companies have not been faithful to you. Because faithfulness is something we all value. We all like it when people are faithful to us. Sometimes we may wish our politicians would be a little bit more faithful and keep the promises that they make, but that's a sermon for another day. But faithfulness is something that we all depend on on a daily basis. We we go into a shop in a supermarket and, and we are trusting the faithfulness of the supermarket that the goods that we buy are what they say they are. And the price that is advertised is the price that we actually pay when we get to the checkout. When someone says, I will pick you up at a certain time, we're trusting that they will be faithful to the promise that they have made. I've got my car booked into the garage tomorrow, and I really do not like taking the car to the garage. 
not just because of how much it may cost me to, re- to have it repaired, but because of bad experiences in the past. Where I've taken a car to a garage, they've said they're going to do something, and then they don't do it. Or they say they've done it, but they've lied. But they've taken your money. And I'm hoping that the garage I take my car to tomorrow, that the guy will be faithful and actually do the repair that they say they're going to do, and when I drive the car away, that it feels that it's okay. We're in holiday season. There are many that have gone on holidays, and before they go, many will have taken out holiday insurance. And they're hoping that if anything happens, the insurance company will be faithful to do what they promised to do. And we all know that insurance companies will try and wriggle out of everything. You see, we all value faithfulness. And we find it difficult when people or companies or organisations or whatever are unfaithful to us. Faithfulness is a, is a word at the heart of the Christian faith. The word faith is in faithfulness. It is the essence, the heart of the word faithfulness. You cannot be faithful to God without having faith in who he is. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm here this week and next Sunday as well. And we're going to have in Time Road our own mini-series over these next two Sundays about faithfulness. And this week we're going to think about God's faithfulness to us. And then next Sunday we'll be thinking about our faithfulness to God. In other words, our response to the reality that God is faithful to us. See, the Bible is full of God's faithfulness. And the psalm that we read to us today speaks of the faithfulness of God. You were right when you said it's a joyful psalm. It, it really is. It's a, it's a psalm of, of uh, a praise, of recognising the greatness of God. It's nice to hear that psalm after the last week of Nehemiah, which didn't end particularly well. It's nice to have something that's a little bit more joyous and uplifting this morning. The psalm talks about how God made the heavens and the earth by by just his word. It talks about how God is with those people and nations whose hearts are are with God. We hear about all that God has made and how God is far greater than any king or or army. And then in verses 4 and 5 we read, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The psalmist tells us that God is faithful in all he does. This, this isn't just the, that the character of God is faithful, although it is. But that God is faithful. It's, it's who he is. He's faithful in everything he does and and everywhere we look, the psalmist tells us, we see his unfailing love. The psalmist tells us that the earth is full, crammed full, overflowing of his unfailing love. The way creation is designed and ordered, speak of God's amazing love which shows his faithfulness to us. And then the the words that we, we said together, we wait In hope for the Lord, he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we 
holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. How can we say that as a prayer? Why can we say that as a prayer? Because God is faithful. Friends, we're, we're, we are declaring here God's faithfulness. For in one sense, faithfulness doesn't exist unless it's tested. And the psalmist is saying we can test God's faithfulness. It has been examined and it has been found to be true. It is through the faithfulness of God that we find reason to rejoice. Faithfulness means something or someone that is loyal, that is steadfast, a word not used much in today, but a great word, steadfast, meaning resolute and devoted. Faithfulness is something or someone that is always true and always constant, never, ever wavering. No matter, no matter what happens, never, ever wavers or diminishes. Something or someone who, who never makes mistakes. Now, now, when we think about the world and we think about people, there are some amazing people out there, aren't there? The media is full of, of people who are just wonderful people, people who overcome adversity, people who do seemingly amazing selfless acts for the benefit of others. And it's true that there are some wonderful people in the world. My son is starting secondary school in September and before he starts they've set some work for them to do over the summer, which I never fully understand why they can't just give kids a break, but that's another story. But he has to write about someone who has shown amazing acts of kindness. And when we look at people who have shown amazing acts of kindness, we often attribute faithfulness to them because they give of themselves. Yet even those people who are right up there with people like Mother Teresa all fall short in being completely faithful. My son was thinking about doing a quote from Martin Luther King. That man did so much for the issues of racism, not just in America, but his influences throughout the world, yet he fell short in being faithful. Look at the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews, people like Moses and David and Noah, great people. I don't think any of us would say we're in the same league as Moses, David or Noah. None of them were completely faithful. None of them. Moses was a murderer, David was an adulterer, and Noah was a drunk. But when it comes to God, faithfulness is his middle name. It's, it's who he is. We see in this psalm that while God has created the heavens and the earth, he has done so for our benefit. Because you see, God, God has committed himself to human beings. God has committed himself to you. That's what we're talking about when we think about God being faithful to us. If you look through the creation narrative, God's creation is to benefit us. When you look through all the struggles that the Israelites went through, the reason they struggled was because they kept walking away from God's faithfulness. Yet when they were walking in step with his faithfulness, life was so much better. But even when they wandered, God still showed them his faithfulness. 
He fed them in the wilderness. He parted the Red Sea to save them from the, the oncoming Egyptians. He gave them water out of the rocks. He helped them overcome their enemies and so much more. Even though they were not faithful to him, God's faithfulness was steadfast. It never, ever wavered, never diminished. The overarching theme of the Bible is that God is faithful to us. And you see, we don't always see God's faithfulness or feel it because of the seasons of life that we walk through. But make no mistake, God's love is always there for you because his faithfulness has no limit and no expiry day. No expiry day. I saw an interesting thing on social media the other day. There was a a photo of some salt that apparently had been formed 250 million years ago. And the person said, how is it that this salt is 250 million years old, yet it has a best before expiry date on the packaging? (laughs) We're used to things having an expiry date. It ends. But with God, there is no expiry date. There is no limit to his faithfulness. And the struggle we have in fully acknowledging and receiving God's faithfulness is because we often put the limits of how we are faithful in life onto God. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, it's okay until they cross me? And once they've crossed me, that, that's it. There's no going back from that. How many times have we crossed God? How many times have we let God down and yet his faithfulness knows no limit? So, so don't put your human uh, limitations onto God because he is always faithful to us. We have a, a dog. Uh, she's lovely. She's fairly faithful to us. Uh, that is until we're somewhere and she's off the lead. You see... Her faithfulness has a limit. She's a rescue dog from Serbia. She's used to living on the streets and she can simply get a whiff of something and then she's just gone. When we lived in Portsmouth, we spent a lot of time and sadly a lot of money taking her to obedience training at a dog training centre. And one of the courses we did was a recall course. And they say that if you follow what they say and you let your dog off and you call them or you whistle, they will turn and they will come back. Took a while, but she did really well, actually. And we went for a walk one day near a place where we were living and we let her off the lead and do you know what? She was awesome. She would run a little way, we'd just blow a whistle, she'd, come, she'd turn on a sixpence, she'd come running back sit in front of us a bit of chicken or whatever it was we were giving her. And it was all going so well. To the point where Gemma and I looked at each other and went, you know what, I think we've cracked it. I think we've sorted this. She, look at her. She's, we could take her to Crufts. She is just out of this world. She's amazing. And then I said to Jem, and I'm, I'm sure the dog heard me, I said, she was about, I don't know, 100 yards away. And I said, next time she comes back, I'm going to put her on the lead just so that we quit while we're winning. As I said that, she kind of went the other side of a fence. It was an old railway line. She went the other side of the fence. 
and we called her, and she looked. I, I swear I heard her say, no chance. <laughs> and she started to go a little bit further. We called her again. No, she didn't come back. I, I'm sure I heard her blow a raspberry at us. She was, she was gone. And Jen said, I'm going to go. I said, no, trust her. She's faithful to us. Believe me, she, she'll come back. And we carried on walking a bit quicker to where she'd gone through the fence. And then I looked and I said to Jem, go. <laughs> and Jem ran. Jem jumped over the fence like an Olympic hurdler. And she ran after this dog who got a whiff of a deer or something. And she was not coming back for love nor money. I could have had a whole roast chicken in my hand and she would not have come back. Eventually she ran back towards us and she would not. She was sort of from where I'm sitting here to the door. She could see me, but every time I went to her, she was gone. Her faithfulness had a limit. It had a limit. And it completely ran out because she caught scent of something else. And friends, we're like that as human beings. Our faithfulness runs out because sadly it knows a limit. None of us are 100% faithful to God and none of us are 100% faithful to each other for we will all at one time or another let God and each other down. But friends, here this morning, that God is always 100% faithful to you. Let me read from Isaiah 42 to us this morning. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart. Even justice prevails through the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Friends, this, is a, this passage is a sign, a prophecy of God's faithfulness. It answers the question, how then is God faithful? For while this passage was written to the people of Israel, it's a prophecy about Jesus. This is Isaiah foreseeing an individual who will live out the special relationship that God wants to have with him, uh, with all of humanity. And we see this prophecy fulfilled in Jesus as this passage describes the life and ministry of Jesus. Let me read to you what someone has said about Jesus in relation to this passage from Isaiah. The person says, this passage seems to perfectly describe the life and ministry of Jesus. 
bringing sight to those who cannot see clearly the life to which God calls them. Releasing those who live in darkness, in captivity to fear or suffering or sin. The servant has been called by God in righteousness. He is a sign of God's faithfulness to his creation and his covenant. Nothing, nothing can stop Jesus. He will not grow faint or be crushed. Not even the agonizing death of crucifixion can stop him steadfastly loving God's people. Every representation of the cross says to us, this is how much God loves us. This is how far the faithfulness of God will go. And then we read in Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, the cross of Jesus We're going to come around the communion table in a moment. The cross of Jesus says to us, this is how much God loves us. This is how far the faithfulness of God will go. We have a limit. God's faithfulness does not have a limit. How do we know that? How far will God's faithfulness go? This cross of Jesus is how far that faithfulness of God will go. We can look to the Old Testament and we can see how God was faithful to the people of Israel and how he was faithful time and time again, even when they didn't deserve it. But then Jesus comes and takes God's faithfulness to a, to a whole new level. And this is the level of God's faithfulness that you and I live in. So when we ask, how is God faithful? The answer is seen powerfully and perfectly in his son hanging on a cross. God's faithfulness for us is seen in him being separated from his son so that we could have a relationship with God and experience his amazing faithfulness for us and all humanity. In case you missed that, I'm going to say that again. You see, the answer to God's faithfulness is not seen in someone hanging on a cross. It is seen in his son hanging on a cross. That's how much God loves you. That's how faithful God is to us. That he was willing to be separated from his his own son. Because he is that faithful to you and me and to all of humanity. So what does it mean then that God is faithful? We'll come to think about how we respond to God's faithfulness next week. But for today, how does God's faithfulness speak to you? Well, we read in 2 Timothy 2 that if we are faithless, and let's be honest, there are times when we are faithless. If you don't believe you've ever been faithless, then we need to have a conversation about truth, I think. We're all faithless at times. We can pray for somebody to be healed, but we're not overly sure. We're in a difficult season and somebody says to us, God will bring you through that season. We go, yeah, yeah, I, I know he will, he will. I'm not overly sure. You see, even though we are faithless, in 2 Timothy 2 we read that he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Friends, this should be a very powerful statement to you. Being faithful is central to who God is. It's It's a bit like me saying, trying to deny my Welshness. I can't deny my Welshness. 
I was so excited yesterday. Some of you are thinking, why? Well, because Wales will play in England in the summer internationals. And we won. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. No. And we won. Even though at the start it didn't look like we were going to win. Even though at the start of the match it looked a little bit ropey. Even before Wales walked out. I had no faith at all that they were going to win. None whatsoever. But I still wouldn't deny my Welshness. If I went to the stadium to watch uh, um, a Welsh game, I'd have to sit in the Welsh end. Get a ticket from the WRU. Or even if I had to be surrounded by all of those English in their, their lovely, clean, pristine white shirts with this little red rose on it, I'd be there with my red shirt and I'd be proud. Because I could not deny it. Even though my wife and my two kids were born in England, I cannot deny, I would not come over. Suddenly one said, what if your son decided to play, he was so good at rugby and he got picked for England? Oh, I said, that would be a tough one. <laughs> I said, don't you love him more than your Welshness? I said, ask me another question. (laughs) You see, for good, for bad, for ill, for different, I'm Welsh. I cannot deny it. I will not deny it. Even when we ignore God, even when we reject him, even when we want nothing to do with him, God is still faithful to us because if he wasn't, he would no longer be God. Because he cannot deny himself. Faithfulness is who he is. And friends, this faithfulness of God is seen in how much he loves you. God's love for you is unconditional. It is there for you wonderfully because it is. Because God is love and God is faithful. And so no matter what you do or don't do, he will still be faithful. As we read in Romans, there is nothing that we can do to separate us from the love of God that is seen in Jesus. Why? Because God is unequivocally faithful to us. The human race rejected, beat, despised his son, and yet God chose to still be faithful. You may be sat here thinking you don't deserve God's faithfulness. You'd be right, you don't deserve it. You may be sat here not fully understanding God's faithfulness. You would be right, it's too beyond us to understand. You may be sat here thinking of people who don't deserve God's faithfulness. They're no different to you. We've just said that no human deserves it. Yet despite of all of your thoughts and sins and times you work against God, he is faithful always to you because that is at the heart of who he is. And we all have the freedom to deny God, to reject the life he offers us. He'll not force us to respond to his faithfulness, but he will still, as we said in 2 Timothy, he will still remain faithful, still love us, still show us his vision of what life could be like for us if we should choose to go along with him because if God stopped being faithful, to his plan for creation, he would stop being God. Friends, may we allow that truth to hold us, to to comfort us, to 
to restore us, to empower us, to, to lead us forward. Coming around the communion table. The very essence, the very reason we come to this table is because God was faithful to humanity. God had a plan. And I'm sure even though that plan broke his heart, he was faithful to it. Because God was faithful to humanity. God was faithful to us. God was faithful to you. And he continues to be faithful. May we walk in his faithfulness and allow that to change us. Let's pray together. Father, in one sense, when we understand, when we see your faithfulness to us, we're, we're lost for words. We, we don't know what to say because thank you seems so trivial, so, so trite even. Father, thank you for reminding us, for showing us again of your amazing faithfulness to us of how much you love us, of the fact that no matter what we do, we cannot push away your faithfulness to us because it's who you are. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't get rid of it. Because you are a God who is so steadfast, so loyal, so faithful, that you cannot stop pouring out your love upon us. We thank you and praise you. We are lost in wonder. We sit in awe. We marvel at the faithfulness of the living God. That is for us. That is for you. That is for me. Bless you and thank you. Amen.